At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella and here the World Messenger, and I am having opportunity to introduce you to not only host a phenomenal podcast, producer, but also amplifier. How many times you had a conversation and opportunity to be amplified in a way that you've never been done before? Guys, don't look further because it's possible to do that in less than 90 seconds. Could you believe it? So I'm super eager to introduce you to the guest who is joining me from Bay Area. Not only he is being a master creator and collaborator, but someone who has a great personality. And also it's very authentic, very real, absolutely exudes a lot of positivity. And can we all get a little bit more positivity these days? So without further ado, let me introduce you to top voice, uh, Ashwin Krishan. Hi, Ashwin. How are you? Hi, Isabella. Good, good to be uh, meet you and happy to be on your show. Thank you so much for coming. And it's also uh, great to really explore with the audience, not only what I just mentioned, but also avenues that you and I cross paths so much. And it's really important for others that are watching and listening to understand because we are interacting quite a bit with C-suite executives. And from that perspective, we want to dispel some myths and really give audience uh, something tangible so they can understand how not only decisions are made, how drivers are pushing different uh, agendas, as well as obviously impact of organizations and how we can position and collaborate and play and amplify their success as well ours, right? So Ashwin, obviously you did something really interesting. You just been in Bay Area and LinkedIn headquarters and you're obviously being uh, one of the top voices who that, uh, does affect um, not only interpersonal skills, but also additional types of um, services that really work so very well from motivation to emotional intelligence to personal branding, self-confidence. So do you mind sharing just a little bit, how did you get into a collaborative voice and, and also with these collaborative actual articles and what did you learn? Great question. Um, so I'm trying to think, uh, there wasn't a particular kind of an aha moment for me saying I need to start contributing, right? But uh, I, I I post a lot on LinkedIn. I host a lot of guest videos and all that. So when I came across collaborative articles, I think one of the things that hit me was um, unlike a post, which takes some amount of uh, time, um, collaborative articles, there's already a seed. And the seed is AI generated. And so for me, it, it felt like it's actually um, a great way to take my mind off what I'm doing, just jump in, add my views, and then move on, right? And um, mm -hmm. I didn't even expect to get one badge, let alone 12 badges. Uh, but I do, for all the badges that I've got, I, I do feel that there is something that I can add to it, right? And emotional intelligence and uh, self-confidence and uh, personal branding. But uh, it's, it's, but I don't, 
I, I never looked at it from, okay, this is this topic and therefore it was, I just looked at it and said, hey, here's something that I have two cents. Uh, I'll give you one example, right? And I've used this probably in 12 or maybe 15 collaborative articles. And it's something that I feel really, really strongly about, right? And uh, it's it was first uh, written by an amazing uh, partner called Mark Cranny. He's no longer there at Anderson Horowitz. And this was written about uh, maybe two, three years ago. It was really about uh, SaaS sales. And the three things he said, uh, but why you still need a sales uh, a salesperson uh, in SaaS sales? And he said, why bother? Why you? Why now? Right? So forget about SaaS, forget about cloud. I've used this over and over again. Why bother is inertia. Why should your listener, your viewer, your buyer do anything different than they're doing? You're asking them to change. Why yeah. you is credibility, right? Okay, so they've decided they have to make a change. Why you, right? I mean, where's your social proof? What credibility do you bring? What uh, recommendations do you have? And the third one, which I found really compelling is why now the urgency? So you've proved that there's a need, you've proved that you're the right person or the right company to do it, but the urgency is not there for that, right? So, so for me, I think anything that I, and I, again, I just give this example because I've used these three wives in at least half a dozen very, very diverse collaborative articles. And so for me, just just using these kinds of things that I, I felt feel very strongly about has given me almost a kind of a, a hall pass to be able to contribute quickly and, and move on. I love that. So for everybody watching and listening, why is so important? Because true leaders that want to carve the path and blaze part for others, recognize that in during digital times, they need to have a digital footprint. Doesn't matter how busy they are, specifically the ones that you and I interact with that are in Fortune 500, right? That are in C-suite. And specifically, you are interacting with one particular group more than any others, which is the most misunderstood and really not leveraged and utilized in the best possible way because it's being added in recent years. It's not like a CEO that's been forever, but role of CISO. And you, I love the way you see that. And if you don't mind sharing for everybody, specifically for executives and other leaders that are watching and listening that are still, to our amazement, operating silos and not leveraging intelligence and skill set and talent and opportunity to truly navigate things in right direction, why CISO is there, what they can help with, and why it's so important for everybody else to be educated in the current time and definitely in the future? Wow, that's a loaded question. So first off, uh, I think the, um, so two things, right? The role of a CISO maybe came about, um, I'd say maybe two decades uh, ago for the, like the early on, the companies that that understood it, right? But I think if you fast forward to today, um, just let's take one one big example, Clorox, right? Everybody is out of Clorox uh, and you look at it and say their supply chain got impacted, their availability of it in actual stores got impacted and people look at it and why? Because there's cybersecurity incident, right? So, and the reason I bring that up is now it is at that point where it has direct impact and it's not no longer, hey, we had a cyber attack and we had some data exfiltration and, and so the te techies and the, the uh, 
GRCs and the government institutions and all the other people pay attention. And now the average consumer is getting impacted. And we can talk about MGM and Caesars. And, and so we have so many of these, but I think net net of it is the realization that this is this is a no longer something that is um, uh, an esoteric or somewhere hidden in the No, this is front and center. That That's number one, right? The second thing is, I think for the longest time, um, the CISOs have evolved through the tech ranks, right? So they've, they've kind of traditionally come, come up in the, in the technical ladder, but increasingly um, they have had to expand the way they think and operate because they are talking to a non-tech audience, namely their colleagues, the board of directors. And therefore that's been a kind of a sea change as well, which is getting more diverse talent into the CISO role, not just the tech people who have grown through the ranks, but also it's resulted in a, a much wider understanding of the business needs. Uh, for example, if there's a marketing person and he or she runs the I mean, CMO operation and they uh, pick up a third-party um, marketing suite, right? And they've gone ahead and launched that. Now, the impact of those APIs that are being used with the third-party data that's being shared with the third-party, maybe it's being hosted in the cloud. I mean, all those things have direct impact on the business. So suddenly the role of a CISO um, thanks to the cloud, I think that's a that's a that's a great uh, uh, in, I mean incentive to do that. But it has made the fact that hey, security is now like everywhere. And one other interesting trend also is physical security. So I've seen yeah. increasingly CISOs are also being handed over the keys to like hey, physical security of our buildings. So who's allowed? Who's not allowed? Vendors coming in. So so it's, slowly it's kind of encompassing. Uh, multiple different uh, avenues, if you will, right? Um, but along with that also, it is still um, one of, and I actually wrote a post about this a few days ago, which is they also have to show ROI. And it's it's probably one of the hardest things to do, right? I mean, like, okay, uh, CMO can show ROI saying have X amount of uh, events being held, or, or uh, we we ran so many ads, we got these leads, we passed it over to sales. So we, there's ROI for for pretty much every organization. Uh, but a CISO, when being asked to show ROI, is increasingly hard. But they are being educated, they are being forced to do it, and for the right reasons, right? Businesses are in in uh, not a great shape right now, given the economy and what's projected for 24. So any spend needs to be uh, justified. And I think that is also a different business aspect to the CISO role, which is to say, hey, by spending X amount thing in EDR or cloud security or, or, uh, or SecOps, this is the impact. How did we, for instance, reduce the risk to our business? How many threats have we identified and stopped? Uh, and so that that also, that again, think of a traditional CISO running through, rising through the tech ranks and just being in the in the backside of the house and, and doing things that are still important, but now they are in the front front seat and having to face the world, having to face their uh, colleagues in the board and being able to uh, uh, show return on investment, right? So there's, there's been a significant amount of uh, change in terms of how the CISO role has evolved. And that, again, in, 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 a, in a good sense, it has also brought in a, a more diverse a set of individuals, not just the ones that have risen through the tech ranks into the um, uh, into the community. 
I love that overview for everybody. Again, watching and listening, we're talking about our Chief Information Security Officer as an acronym of CISO. And also we're talking about how is difficult, why is this, why is first of all role needed, but also how it's challenging and what are opportunities to leverage it properly as, as Ashwin is pointing out, things that dramatically changed in the last two decades and specifically as we're seeing in the last few years. And um, just because it's such a difficult challenging position to be in and a hard way to measure RRI and KPIs we often also attach wrong KPIs, right, to the things that we want to measure and look yeah. at from the data strategic vantage point. Um, but what I love about you, what you just said, and also knowing how important it is from CISOs, because they're really driving strategic importance within an organization. They're helping through broader engagements across and sometimes we contributed as as a, as a, as a silo breakers, right? Yeah. But but they're what they really do on the daily basis, as you said, strategic planning and um, incidents and risk management, compliance, budgeting. Because right, what where do we spend money and what yeah. why and are we protecting enough ourselves? Is our our house in order? Is properly insured and how that looks like? But also, it's a part of major things that everybody immediately think it's all just about technology but what they often forget it's people yep. and based on your experience you worked and interviewed some really incredible CISOs that are of top fortune 10 or 15. so do you mind sharing what did you learn from them when you interviewed them and also what do you see as a pattern as a commonality among them uh, okay, so you just mentioned it. I think the commonality is people, right? Um, I mean, yes, Gen AI will do what to do and all that, right? But at the at the core of every single CISO that I've met that I have huge respect for is the fact they start and end with people. Um, and I'll give you a few examples of, of what I mean by this, right? Uh, so one of them, <laughs> and. It, It'll sound really bizarre, but I'll tell you, uh, it actually works like magic, right? So he used to go to his team members and actively ask them to apply to companies outside at least once a year. When I first heard, I was like, I mean, aren't you worried about, I mean, there's already hard trying to get in people and retain people and everybody does everything uh, opposite, right? Which is like, how do, you, how do I keep them? And he says, the reason I do that is they need to understand that the value that they provide within this company has market value outside. So in the event something bad happens, I have to let them go or something like that happens, they have um, they have a place to go, right? As a leader, as a human being, I need to ensure that. Number two is, and he, he's done this across multiple companies. Number two, he says, there are ex-colleagues of mine who used to work for me that want to work for me because they know that I have their back. Mm. And I was like completely stunned. I've never heard anything like this. I mean, I've been a manager, I've been director. I've, like, I've not once gone to my people and told them, hey, please go interview outside and, and give them the reason behind this, right? But now you think about it, right? He's he's just being a good human being and a good leader and, and making sure that their uh, skills are being used. And he also told me that sometimes they would come back and realize that there are skills that are needed outside that they don't have. And he would go out of his way within his company to see if there are other roles that they could go so they can actually broaden their portfolio. 
Wow. One example, right? 101, right? <laughs> it's like, but uh, it's like, I mean, such, in, in hindsight, it sounds so obvious, right? But who does it, right? I mean, you say people first and you have all these cultural uh, uh, taglines and everything else, but you have to walk the talk, right? And he walked the talk. Another example, which I shared with you when we first met, uh, and this is, uh, again, this is all public, so I'm going to name the company over here. It's a Cloudflare, right? which I have huge respect for. Uh, they had a, a pretty big outage uh, three months or four months before their IPO. And a lot of websites went down. Um, and then uh, John Graham uh, Cummings, their CIO, actually posted a, I think, a 25-page or a 30-page white paper on their website. Uh, I think it was two weeks after the outage happened in detail of what mm -hmm. went wrong, including processes, memory overflow, whatever else, right? It's like, I mean... Can you imagine a CTO of a pre-public IPO company uh, coming and talking about what went wrong and gets even better? So Matthew Prince, their CEO, still their CEO today, uh, references that article and posts that on LinkedIn saying, this is how we screwed up. Wow. And I just think of it and say, it's like you, you I mean, is, is this the kind of vendor is this a kind of service provider that you want to be part of, right? I mean, I in a heartbeat, I mean, I have a very small website, but in a heartbeat, I went and signed up for Cloudflare. It's almost like, hey, I can close my eyes and know they have my back, right? Much like my previous uh, uh, leader that I talked about, right? So ultimately, I think, if it, and um, I mean, think about it, how many companies will do this even if they don't have an IPO coming up, but they have a major public offering coming up over here, the valuation could get impacted by all this. And people would, typically companies would try to hide this as much as possible and not share any information. These went on the other side of the fence and shared information publicly. The CEO stands up over there and says, hey, uh, we're doing this so that others don't have the same issue as us. So we're sharing it so that you can learn from our mistakes. Literally, those were his words. Um, wow. and, and so, I mean, so over and over again, back to your point, I think the level of, transparency, the level of honesty, the level of, and they, and they do this because who they are, right? It's it's not because their bosses are telling them what to do or they have some other uh, uh, ulterior motive. No, it is. It, that, that's that's who they walk the talk. And I, coming back full circle, I think um, cybersecurity continues to be hot uh, for, again, I, I don't want to say the wrong reasons, but it is unfortunately that, right? Because anything and everyone and any uh, entity can be attacked at any point. Yes. So ultimately, knowing as as a as a uh, as a business as an entity, do you know who are the people who are actually standing you up? Right. I mean, who's providing you your cloud security? Who's providing your EDR? Who's providing your SOC? And it's not just the vendor. I mean, you could have done a POC and you could have gotten, they would have gotten great points and you got great discount on the product and therefore you installed it. I mean, all those, obviously business reasons, right? But in the event your vendor has a CVE or they have a uh, exploit or a data exfiltration or ransomware something, right? Would you trust them to notify you as soon as it happens? Or would they keep it under wraps? I mean, these are all like fundamental questions that a POC is not going to answer that. Um, and so a Gartner uh, NQ is not going to answer that, right? So ultimately, again, coming back full circle, it's, it's the people. So how do you know the people behind 
the organization, right? Which is kind of partly the motivation behind I, what I do is, is to really reveal the human being, right? And I've met so many people. I mean, I'm not buying from them, but now that I know the person behind it, I can close my eyes and know that, hey, this is the group that I would want to associate myself with because knowing the people behind them, their why. Wow, this is such a powerful share. And I love how you highlighted great example of what it means to be a great leader, what it means being great communicator, what it means to be transparent, honest, in addition, also strategic and providing not only those technical expertise, uh, but also people expertise that we see a lot of leaders unfortunately lacking. How do you build relationships? How do you advocate in best interest of your talent and teams? How do you also work things etic uh, ethically and, 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 and reflect on those ethics and professionally? But also, how do you adapt? Because right now we're seeing plethora of changes that are happening all at once that are transforming not only the industry itself, organizations, but some of them are very slow to do that. And they are midst of fires all the time. It really does take a very special DNA of the leader to be in that role. So with that in mind, obviously, um, you highlighted some great examples here, but what also, what do you discover through all of these amazing interviews that you conducted? You reveal in personality of those tremendous leaders in 90 seconds or less. That is, first of all, brilliant. So could you tell me how did you came about that? And then also, um, as you conducted hundreds of these interviews, what did you learn from people in general? Wow, again, a loaded question. Um, so, okay, let me let me start at the beginning, right? So the motivation was actually three uh, three different independent but somewhat related um, uh, issues, right? Number one is uh, having done lots of podcasts before I started Standout in 90 Sec, I, there was a trend which showed that the uh, drop-off time where people would typically not listen or watch, it was three to four minutes, right? And this was a 30, didn't matter if it was a 30-minute podcast or 45-minute podcast. And it happened consistently over a period of months, right, right when COVID hit. Um, and I started asking myself, is like, what am I doing wrong, right? So I did a quick poll of some of my ardent followers and said, okay, so is it me? Is it my guest? Is it the topic? Like, what should I change? And they said, no, 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 we, we love what you're doing. We started watching and then life happened and we hit pause and we were going to come back, but we never did. So over and over again, I started hearing that. And I said, okay, so then fundamentally something has shifted in the way uh, things, uh, attention spans and everything else. So that's one data point. The second one was uh, just the um, understanding uh, of, um, or the gut feeling that I had, which is like, hey, there is a human being behind my uh, guest, right? And yes, we can talk about ransomware, we can talk about uh, phishing attacks and all these things, which, I, which was what I was doing in the podcast. But I thought, what if I ignore that for a minute? There are lots of podcasts doing that. Instead, I go to the human being behind that and talk about that piece. The third one was, again, going back to the attention span was, I wanted to put my audience first, right? Which is, uh, you have lots of these podcasts, which these fancy titles, I mean, I had many myself, right? But it was always a question mark um about what is it that you're going to get out of it if you join that and so i wanted to take that question mark off and make it very very clear saying it was stand out in 90 seconds which is hey give me 90 seconds of your time and i will make my guest stand out 
So that was kind of my commitment to whoever is coming in, right? So that that's that was kind of how this started. Now, in terms of some of the biggest learnings, is number one, and this one beats me even today after three hundred plus of these, is people are willing to be vulnerable given a chance. Wow. And uh, yeah, it it is something that that. I would not have imagined if you'd asked me when I started this, it's like, I would have thought, yeah, people are going to share stuff, but not to the extent that I have heard. And this is all public, right? Um, yes. One guest giving birth to stillborn twins after multiple rounds of IVFs. Mm. A guest losing his son uh, four years ago um, on New Year's Day. Mm. Um, domestic violence. I mean, it, it's just... And these are like not things people typically share. And all these three guests that I've mentioned with these three were people that I'm meeting for the first time, right? And so for me, it also gave me notice that, uh, yes, this human side, we all have a human side, right? And we have all gone through all kinds of life challenges. And, and um, But what people see is just a <laughs> very small minuscule of what we put ourselves out. And yes. so this was just one of the big revelations for me is, hey, given a chance, people are willing to share. And it's also very eye-opening for me being in cybersecurity, and a lot of my guests are from cyber, is they are privacy-minded people, right? So it's not that the like a TikTok moment where you share something and then you regret it, right? This was, I'm recording it. It's not live. I'm going to give them the video. They get to see the video. There are multiple gates, if you will, of them to review it and say, hey, I want to uh, I want to uh, do a redo. I don't want to share this. It's never happened. Which means consciously they want to share that. And that's been another revelation for me is, and this is not for uh, their own ego. This is not for, for uh, getting sympathy or pity. This was for one reason and one reason alone. Anytime somebody shares some real big life setback or tragedy, it's to help somebody else. And, and I've I get gotten this like over and over again because after the recording, I'll, I'll stop and ask, hey, do you really want to share this? We can we can actually do a re-record and ask, have you answer something? I'll say, no. Um, and I say, why? It's say, because I'm sure there are people out there who are going through similar life challenges and this is, helps one person out there. It's worth sharing. Um, so that was one, like, one, one big thing over here. Uh, I think the second one, and this is, again, something that I learning for me is um so i'm doing these 90 second things i'm asking these deep questions and my guest is going deep and i have to ask them to be succinct um and it's almost like somebody is telling me something like that's that's very very deep and emotional and i'm saying hey, hey you just run out of 20 seconds just you got to be more short and i realized that was that was a mistake on my part because uh this is somebody uh, who is not doing this on an everyday basis and they're, they're revealing themselves. So what I ended up doing is when people start sharing the stuff, I let, let them continue and not interrupt them until they finish. And as a result of that, I still have to keep, keep my commitment to my audience, which is 90 seconds. So I end up sometimes with my guests creating multiple episodes. Uh, so still keeping to the 90 second mantra, but not interrupting them when they're sharing something which is so personal and so emotional and sometimes very tragic as well, right? So uh, that's number two. The third one, which is again something that uh, I, re I realized along the way is I need to 
take some time to do my own self-care and self-healing after every recording. Because, oh. I mean, I've done podcasts, right? I mean, we, we talk about technical stuff and all that, but once I start doing it, man, this is, this is like going deep, right? So I make sure I never, never have back-to-back -back recordings. So it's a 15-minute uh, time slot that I give. And then after the recording happens, I give myself at least 15 minutes of rest uh, so that I can just internally process that. Uh, but what ends up happening, even in the 15-minute window that we do the recording, is after the two-minute recording, there are deep bonds that I've formed with my guest, which is inexplicable. I've done 45-minute podcasts multiple times over. I'll give you this example, right? Uh, with with this one of my first podcast guests, right? I've hosted him like 10 times. And then I got him on Standout and side. And I asked him a question, hey, what's one life-changing incident in your life? And he says, at age 14, he was living with his Japanese mom. They had a very difficult relationship. They were on food stamps and he used to go clean houses with his mom every day. Right? That was his 15-second answer. And after the recording, I was like, he could see my face. He said, Ashwin, like, what's wrong? I said, I've known you forever. And I've hosted you like 10, 12 times. I had no idea. He said, because he never asked me, right? We were talking about everything else. Wow. DRC compliance, this, that, and all. It's not like, hey, what, what, like, what's, so, so for me, that was the other piece of it, right? Which is you think you know people, but you don't. And this was one of those things of saying, hey, once, once that flip is switched, it just the level of connection, the level of bonding goes really, really deep, right? So I've ended up like grateful for uh, this giving me the opportunity to really get to know people at a really, really human level. And and uh, it, it still beats all logic, right? How do you build deep connections after a 90 second recording and a 10 minute post-op uh, that I could spend hours in a conference all day long exchanging business cards and talking about each other's quote-unquote journeys, which is all about, hey, where did you go to school? And what are you doing right now? How big is your team? What are you investing money? None of that matters. I mean, I've just realized that, right? I mean, those are all secondary. What matters is who you are, why you are. And if you share that and I share that, then we'll make bonds. What a rich experience. And thank you for sharing that with uh, our audience because I can relate on so many levels what you just said and uh, how important it is to, in those cases, have a strong listening and create a safe space. But I love that you also highlighted how important it is for you to have a self-care and knowing what is affecting you and how it's affecting you and what you can do to make a difference. Uh, for your own uh, well-being, but also to set up the boundaries. And you're right, if we don't create space where we can listen or hear or explore or have a different questions, because we might be having professional title, but it's so much more to our personalities and our experiences than what it meets the eyes. And a lot of times people have a different perceptions, right? Around the brand, around the popularity yeah. or influence or reach or whatever it might be. But the reality, they don't understand what it took to get there because we don't see this treacherous road on the path to greatness, as I call it. And it takes us so much um, discipline and sacrifice and motivation, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so again, as you were talking, uh, it's, I had, 
so many self-doubts along the way, right? It's like, okay, going up the traditional ladder, being in a startup, quitting the startup with having no idea what I'm going to do, just bungling my way into podcasting, not knowing what a podcast podcaster does. Uh, but I think one of the things that has helped me hugely, right, which is a community, right? And this this community is a very diverse community, right? And over the over the course of the last three or four years, um, it, it just you you need to have that, right? Because before that, it was all like very Silicon Valley, hey, go go go. Have you had a, uh, an exit? How what's the valuation of your company? Uh, are you in Series A? Are you I mean, it, those were the kinds of conversations, right? And and yeah, business is important. I'm not denying any of that, but that can't be the only thing. Right. So for me, one of the big uh, supportive groups was just being able to kind of connect with people uh, from completely different areas and backgrounds. Right? And you mentioned uh, the collaborative articles, uh, uh, community top voice in LinkedIn. Uh, and I was just amazed at the diversity of people over there. Right? Yes, it's in the heart of Silicon Valley in San Francisco in a, in a tech company, but there were people from so many diverse backgrounds and that has resulted in such strong connections. And I've actually hosted two of them already. And the thing happened last Thursday, right? And this today is Friday. So I've had two of them and I have, I'm hosting you, I have like a bunch of others. But the point being that three years ago, I would feel intimidated, afraid to reach out to quote unquote influencers. I mean, uh, uh, Eric Yuan, CEO of Zoom, and I are DMing each other on LinkedIn, right? And again, so one of the things I've also realized is it cannot be about your own personal needs. And so for me, uh, connection with Eric happened because they had a privacy thing that happened in March where uh, they, they put out something which would say, hey, you could have their... their uh, uh, large language models could take some of the data, like for example, Zoom call that you are on, I are on, and feed it, right? But it was a mistake, and he comes out there and says, "Hey, we we bungled because this is not what we meant. We are not going to collect your data. It's an opt-in only, right?" And he comes out there and says, "And I said, Eric, this is leadership, right? You're you're the CEO of a public company, and something like this happened. It happened to be a mistake, and you stand out over there and you stand up over there and say it like it is, right?" I want to host you, right? We're still going back and forth and I haven't got a yes from him yet. But the point I'm making is I feel completely at ease reaching out to whoever. I have another example. Uh, we'll talk about another time, but I'm also connected to Scott Kirby, first degree connection, CEO of United Airlines. <laughs> it's, it's uh, okay, let me, let me just throw it in over here, right? So what happened was um, wife, daughter, and I, this was like five years ago, we were traveling from San Francisco to Pittsburgh. Uh, and we enter the flight and um, this captain comes out, right? And he stands up over there and he literally addresses the audience. And like flight hasn't even taken, right? Um, and Jason comes out over there, puts, opens the mic and says, um, I'm sure... You guys, you guys have had a long day because it was a late evening flight. You guys have had a long day and, and going through security and taking out issues if you don't have TSA pre putting it on. So all, all that is behind you. Rest up over here. You're in good hands, number one. Number two, he says, please treat my fellow employees with respect. And he points to all these stewards and stewardesses around him. He says, 
uh, their first job is security and they're here for that. And I want you to make sure that um, you treat them with as much respect as you treat me and my co-pilot, right? He's addressing the <laughs> passengers on the flight. And the third thing he says is, forget about everything else. This is going to be the greatest flight ever. And wherever you're headed, I support you for that. But I'm going to make sure this is the best flight of your life. Okay. So this happens. I take a photo of Jason Lopez and then go back and do a post on LinkedIn a couple of days later, right? Saying, hey, this is leadership. <laughs> I have United PR reach out to me a week later saying, can we have a chat with you? Uh, because apparently this, this LinkedIn post that you did was posted on there, some internal uh, portal or something, and it's getting a lot of attention, right? Um, I said, sure. Um, and then uh, Jason Lopez DMs me after that and saying, hey, Ashwin, this happened. I'm, I'm not a, a big uh, social media thing at all, but for whatever reason, this seems to have, I was just doing what I was doing. Fast forward today, I'll tell you the story later. Jason Lopez and I are buddies. I've met him three times in real life. Wow. Uh, we know each other and that's how I connect with Scott Kerb. I said, hey, you have amazing, amazing employees. Jason is one of them. And so, and again, I, I just use this example of saying, it's like, I wasn't taking a photo of Jason to get likes or views. I was just saying, hey, this is freaking leadership, right? And I've hosted Jason. On, yes. Yeah, it's like, and we need to know that. We need to celebrate that. And we see... So for me, that, that, yeah. So for me, that, that was way before I started standout in 95, but it just like, you know what? I, I just, I'm not intimidated by titles. I'm not intimidated by, it's just, I'm looking for goodness and greatness in real people and I'll just go connect with them. So. I love that. Those stories, not only um, demonstrating your leadership, but also highlighting what great leaders look like. And I have to say, I feel like we're thinking in so much of those lines and it's just so refreshing to find a kindred spirit, but also find someone who is truly following their own path and as a result, plays an amazing path for others. So first of all, kudos on your leadership and you were here on the Legacy Leadership Show. And what's so beautiful about you because I paid attention to what you're doing and it's so nice to see uh, when you walk your talk, right? How do you live? And then how you lead and ultimately how you leave your legacy, because ultimately why we're here, it's all about that bigger, greater good beyond ourselves, right? What impact are we making? How is this affecting others? And are we contributing in something that is has a substance, that is impactful, that is valuable, and in the same time, truly easy for others to understand, to follow, and participate? And you managed to do all of those. So with that in mind, you already carved quite a bit of leading and living and also leaving um, great legacy. But I'm curious, what would you like to be known for? For everybody watching and listening, what would you like to say, Isabella, in this chapter of my life? I would like my legacy to be. So, uh, yeah, just, just two things, right? One is, can I, so, okay, just two words. I used to work for Nokia and two decades ago, right? And at that point, their uh, company motto was connecting people. Mm. That's it. I mean, for me, those two words pretty much embody everything that I do, right? 
Um, and it's not connecting people with me, right? That's a side effect. It's connecting people within organizations, connecting people across communities, connecting people with so quote unquote good friends that they knew, but they don't know some of the inner story, right? So that that is pretty much, uh, yeah. And I have like some people who've, who've called me the super connector, great connector. I mean, those are not names that I kind of taken myself, but it's just like yeah, it just it feels powerful to be able to really connect people and be able to be that almost that gaslight, if you will, right? And getting people to open up and that causes others to know them and connect. And and that, that for me, that that's the legacy. Fantastic. That's brilliant. I love that. And for you to stand out in 90 seconds, let me ask you this question. How you are foreseeing future right now that things are obviously happening in times when it's tremendous change and transformation and where do you see yourself going and and what is in your that secret bucket list that you are aiming to accomplish yeah so for me i think uh, one of the things is really to be able to do more faster uh, and have a greater impact uh, in whatever time I have left, right? And so for me, building partnerships with people who I can work with and be able to do it at scale is really my next step, right? Because I know this thing works. I know how uh, the connecting people aspect of it now is like, okay, how can I connect instead of 20 people a month? How do I connect 200 people a month, right? And for that, uh, talking to people like you and others who are in that same thing of being able to kind of work with organizations and 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 ultimately i think it's it's also uh, in this in this day and age of mandate return to work and people questioning that and people quitting i mean it's, it's just it, it, there's so much uncertainty and to be able to come in and just kind of shine a light and give people a, a kind of i mean yeah it's 90 seconds but it's 90 seconds of i mean i've had people tell me you've told taught us the art of succinctness. You've taught us the art of introspection. You helped me hit pause in my life. You helped me. I mean, one of the questions I ask uh, some of my guests is, what's the kindest thing someone did for you? And I have people think, because that's not an everyday answer, right? Which is, what has somebody done for you recently that you really, really um, uh, feel grateful for, right? And so I, I get these answers. And for me, that aspect of it is is really powerful to be able to kind of just revel in that right so that uh, that that whole angle of being able to say um yeah just just be able to do that at at scale and be able to kind of just drive that through through partnerships really where my head is amazing and in closing for everybody that are on the fence and they don't know where to start or how to connect with people like you and I are connecting and how you're able to connect with others um, what would you recommend? One uh -huh. thing that they can do to be better connectors and better human. Okay, so again, uh, I leave you with one example. Um, and by his own admission, he is an introvert, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, now he tells me he's been following me for a year and a half and pretty much watches everything that I do and post. But I have not even heard of him. I had not even heard of him until three weeks ago, right? And he did something which caused me to hit pause and literally force him to come to my show. And this is what he did. Uh, 
So he sent me a DM with seven or eight different names of people that he thinks would be great guests on my show. And two paragraphs for each guest as to who they are, why they are, and why they would be a good guest, right? And it would have taken an easy 20 to 30 minutes just writing that. And he sent that over to me. And my immediate reaction was, Rajiv, your guests can wait. You cannot wait. You have to get on my show. And he said, no, but that's not why I did this. I know exactly that's not why you did it, but that's exactly why I want you on the show because this is so unusual. No one has time. Attention spans are down. Everything we talk about over here. And here you have taken the time, taken the effort to celebrate others and, for, and literally try to convince me why I should be hosting them, right? So that is networking you are not connecting with somebody to further your own ambition. And by celebrating others, by giving others a chance, I mean, he would he didn't even imagine, right, uh, that I would be hosting him, right? And that's come out. And now we're talking about him uh, hosting his other guests. But I think that ultimately, I think the power of networking lies in just doing what you can to help others and, and the community will come back to help you. Right. That's that's really what what I have realized. Right. And it's it's also, yeah, it is uncomfortable for people who are not used to networking. But I think the easiest thing to do is to just find ways to celebrate others. Another example I'll leave you with this is uh, another good buddy of mine, Carlos Guerrero, who literally every day he's been posting on LinkedIn, celebrating one person that has had an impact on him and what he or she has been doing and just that one post. And 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 so it's it's so unusual to see that where majority of people are still about self-promotion and driving um, values and selfies. I mean, I'm not saying those are wrong. I mean, occasional selfie is okay. But doing what Carlos does, again, consistency, I mean, doing and showing one person and how he or she impacted him, why people should be following him or her, that just speaks of leadership. It speaks of authenticity. And now people want to connect with him. Right. So it's it's the almost the anti-networking philosophy that works. That is amazing. Reflection of the true values, the true intents when we're generous, when we're servant leaders, when we're coming first, thinking about others and coming from gratitude and appreciation, magic happens. And I'm hundred percent with you on that. It was absolute pleasure having you on the Legacy Leader Show, and I definitely will have you back. But before we close, I just want to make sure that you are highlighting for everybody watching and listening where they can find you, where they can interact with you, and also at, uh, access your phenomenal show and recommend some of the guests. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, you have my name, uh, Ashwin Krishnan. Uh, my YouTube channel, Stand Out in 90 Sec, all one word. Um, again, uh, uh, you, can, you can subscribe to that. Uh, and the same thing, Stand Out in 90 Sec uh, is the business page on LinkedIn as well. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.